Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by my two favorite dudes here on planet Earth and in the gaming metaverse. My dude, Paris Lily. we're here, we're live and in action. How are you feeling on this lovely Friday? Oh, I'm doing great. I, I have to admit, after we did the last episode and we drafted all our games and Stalker 2 got delayed to the end of the year, I almost had a heart attack, but other than that, I'm good. <laughs> uh, Paris, you are just cutting it by about three <laughs> weeks there, so we're going to talk about that. I'm concerned. We'll talk about the Stalker 2 delay, but man, Paris, I was worried for you for a second there. I, I mean, we'll talk about it just a little bit right now. Do you fear that that could go into 2023 and you're absolutely I give you a goose egg? Yeah, absolutely. you've got no margin for error left now, right? That one delay kind of ate it all up. If, if anything, I'm expecting it to get delayed to 2023 oh. at this point. Oh, yeah. no, Paris. All right. Yeah. Well, we will talk about our picks later on in the show. And yeah, you got a big one there, but you also picked up a game. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. My good friend Gary Witta, one of your games from your picks, just got a nice reveal trailer with a date on that. How are you feeling about Kirby? There's some excitement about it for sure. I've always felt good about it. I, you know, I, I, I so like, you know, the, 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 the core Nintendo titles never, never bet against them. I know Kirby, he's not Mario, he's not Zelda, but he's up there. He's one of the, one of the main, you know, Nintendo family members. And um, I'm excited about what they do with this kind of weird, you know, post-apocalyptic open world. I think it's, it has a better chance of being good than, uh, than not on this new trailer. There's a lot of excitement about it. When the first time that I, uh, brought it up as a pick it got it got, got, got kind of poo-pooed by some of the other people on the podcast you guys kind of like you know just <laughs> scared me off of it and then i came back and said no you know what fuck you guys i'm putting kirby on my list i believe in kirby and i and i do i believe in kirby i i think it's going to be a good one i think it's going to get some good review scores i had some people reach out to me and they were like we can't believe gary didn't pick redfall and i was like well, you know, Gary was on his own track. He was feeling Kirby, and then I got to pick Redfall, so it's just fun. We all got the. Xbox I think Redfall. At Redfall, wanted. when they showed that trailer, uh, that reveal trailer, which you know was all cinematics, as the game's obviously very, very early. I thought it looked good, you know, because I like this whole Back for Blood, you know, extraction, World War Z, you know, squads against the against the world, uh, kind of co-op type games, and this one looked really good. It looked like a good aesthetic, good sense of humor. I didn't, I didn't pick it, not because I don't think it's going to be good, but I think it's going to slip. It looks very slippy to me. We're going to talk about that, Gary, because that's a game we haven't seen much of, if not any, and it's uh, expected this summer is when they last talked about it, so we'll see where we're at. But let's jump in and have some fun, because this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and, of course, on podcast services around the globe. 
Right now, we're going to continue to talk about Spotify. If you're listening over on Spotify, or if you don't listen on Spotify, do me a favor. Open up that Spotify app over on your mobile device or your PC and give us a nice little five-star rating or whatever you think the show is because we now have a rating system over on Spotify. And of course, we would love to continue to drive that engagement. But really, truly and honestly, no matter where you're watching or listening, thanks for joining me, Paris, Gary, and Barrett here on the Kind of Funny X cast. We love talking games and hanging out with all of you. Don't forget that the Kind of Funny team is now Epic Partners. That means you can use our Epic Creator Code at checkout if you're buying V-Bucks for Fortnite, upgrading your car in Rocket League, or if you're just looking cool and buying games over on the PC side, please go over to the Epic Store and use our Epic Creator Code at checkout. Kind of funny. It's no additional cost to you, and you can support the team in a brand new way. And talk about supporting the team. You can also go over to Patreon. You can watch the show early. You can write in questions to the show just like so many of our best friends did, like our Patreon producers for the month of January. James Davis, uh, Praise Portillo, Greg Miller's back and better than ever, Prankski, Delaney Twinning, Tyler Ross, First Responder, ND, Julian the Gluten-Free Gamer, James Hastings, and Casey Andrews. Thank you all so much for your support. This week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by Me Undies, DoorDash, and Chime, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Guys, let's continue that talk because Gary brought up Redfall and maybe possibly slipping. And Paris, you and I were talking before the show. We don't really get to see a big first party exclusive this first, like, we'll call it quarter to two quarters. And of course, we're kind of supplementing that with a big kickoff to Game Pass right now for the month of January. So let's focus on the big kickoff and then let's talk about that lack of first party titles here in this first window. So over with Game Pass, we're seeing a really strong month of January right now. It was revealed that we're going to get Mass Effect Legendary Edition coming to the service. Then we got Rainbow Six Extraction day and date on day one, along with some Ubisoft Plus we'll talk about. You get Nobody Saves the World. Revealed yesterday, Hitman Trilogy will be coming on January 20th, and it's bolstering a big lineup alongside Spelunky 2, Ember, Outer Wild, and The Pedestrian, so many more been a strong month paris how are you feeling to kick off the year game pass wise oh i think game pass wise this has been phenomenal if you, if you look at the titles i mean them scoring rainbow six being day and date on on game pass is huge for them and like you just said that news yesterday about getting the hitman trilogy on game pass is is great because obviously you know we just did our game of the year episode and, and hitman 3 well, you know, was a part of that. So people being able to now experience that a year later after release on Game Pass is great. And like I said, you're already talking about the GOAT with, with the Mass Effect trilogy and all the other games um, that that got announced, you know, a couple of weeks ago that are also uh, coming to the service. So for the month of January, I mean, it's really starting out strong. And like you also said, no, nobody saves the world. Look, pick that up in fantasy draft because I might need it now. But uh, it, it's good to see those type of games come come to Game Pass. I think, you know, as we'll continue the conversation, more of my concern right now is where are the the Microsoft Game Studio games at, you know, in the first half of the year. But I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that discussion in a second. Yeah, let's talk about that in just a moment. But Gary, I want to kick it to you. How do you feel about this lineup? I mean, like Paris talked about the GOAT Mass Effect. We see Hitman Trilogy, which everybody should play. but this Rainbow Six Extraction, what do you think about that game coming in, that three-player PvE type experience with the incredible Rainbow Six Siege kind of gameplay? This kind of fits the mold for what we normally see in a Game Pass kind of acquisition partnership that we've seen with Back for Blood, 
and Outriders. How do you like this one coming to the service? Extraction is really interesting to me, A, because in the context of your question, I think it's like the big wild card. Like the, the question of like how good a, a you know an opening month of 2022 is this for Game Pass is going to vary wildly depending on whether or not Extraction is if it's if it's an absolute banger then that alone makes it a really strong month for Game Pass if it's not and it falls on its face and if it's the next Rainbow Siege Rainbow Six Siege then fantastic if it's the next you know Ghost Recon Wildlands then you know not so much and 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 how strong uh, this month's Game Pass offerings you know would will be judged on what else is there which again is still very strong Hitman like you said Mass Effect. Uh, remastered, you know, and then a bunch of cool indies like, you know, Pedestrian, and there's a bunch of good stuff in there. But for me, Extraction is the one that I've had my eye on for a while, even before they they dropped it on Game Pass, which I was really glad to see because I was going to get it anyway. Now it's on Game Pass, and you know, I, I know I'm going to get it. I don't have to drop any cash or, or anything. It's going to be that much easier for me. But ever since they first announced it, I said earlier when we were talking about Redfall, I really like these kind of PvE, you know, Horde-type shooters, and I like the Rainbow Six vibe, you know, the Tom Clancy brand and um you know this is you know it's got like peanut butter and jelly for me but i know it, it's weird ever since they started showing it i've I've, I, i'm not getting any kind of vibe from it in terms of like is there expectation for it are people excited about it i really want it to be good because the best case scenario is like you me and paris will squad up and go play this game and have a blast doing it you know like i enjoyed aliens fire team you know back for blood was good world war z is really really good it's a very trendy game genre right now this is obviously ubisoft's way in to that, you know, it's kind of big emerging, or I should say re-emerging, it's been around since Left, Left 4 Dead type game genre. I really, really want it to be good, but I'm a little bit nervous because there's just very little, there doesn't seem to be a lot of chatter. I've, I've, am I the only one who's excited for this game? But it looks good to me. I want it to be good. I don't know, what do you guys think? I'm pretty pumped up about it, Gary. I think it fits the mold of exactly what I'm looking for out of Game Pass, and that is that shared library that I love to bring up, and I know Sarah Bond loves to use of like, now me and all my friends have it. Instead of all of us spending $40 on this game, that could be a dud, could be a hit. We don't quite know until we go game hot on it. But uh, for me, this is exactly what I want. And I love having Mass Effect and Hitman in here to really give you the one, two, three combo. But there's a couple special gems for me that I'm looking forward to. Paris, how are you feeling about Rainbow Six? I'm not as excited uh, as as you two are with it, I, 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 and I can't put my finger on it. So, so it, it, this is kind of hard to explain. You know, you just have one of those feelings. Like, I I, I was in the mold of I want to kind of wait to see when it's out and to kind of see what the community is saying about it. I mean, I'm all for these cooperative experiences, so I'm pretty sure, especially now that it's on Game Pass, that I, I will definitely uh, play it and try it out. But I was kind of on the fence of. Do I want to go spend the $40 on this to play it? Because, but so, like I said, I, I really just wanted to kind of get a feel for, for what the community was thinking about it ahead of time. Um, I, I will say just, just while I'm talking me to me, the gem out of all of this, yes. which is, I got to figure out time schedule, how I'm going to play this is the outer wilds. Cause I've never played it. Ooh, oh yeah. That too. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. And That's I've heard that is like literally one of the greatest games ever made. Right. So to me, that was the other highlight uh, of the announcements that, that they made already this month that, that are on Game Pass. I want to go back to something you touched on just a moment ago, Mike, because we've been doing the podcast now for 
almost 15 minutes today and we haven't like uh shamelessly shilled for game pass yet so let's let's get busy oh, oh you want to shill it up tell well, me here's, can, here's, can, can, can i say one thing real quick before we yeah, yeah. start start the full-on shilling i again i read the comments when i knew i shouldn't read the comments but i was curious what people thought about the the last episode uh where we're doing all the picks and one of them made me laugh he was like i think this is the first episode where i didn't hear game pass uttered once <laughs> <laughs> so but I mean, you know, it's I know I know it's a joke and it's a meme, but like Game Pass and Xbox are synonymous now. It's like do, it's like doing the Xbox yeah. and not saying Xbox, right? They're, they're practically they they go together. And Mike, you actually said something that was interesting because I've never thought about this. Even in all our comprehensive shilling of Game Pass in all the episodes we've done, we've never really touched upon this aspect of it, but it was actually really interesting. We've talked about it as a great value, right? You get all these hundreds of games or whatever, you know, for like 10, 15 bucks a month. We've talked about it as a discovery engine. You know, you find and discover games you might not have ever, you know, tried if you had if you had to drop money on them the third thing is and you just talked about this is it's that much easier to squad up in multiplayer games when you but with your buddies when it's on game pass because like in you know when you buy a game a la carte it's like well i want i want to play but I'm, are my buddies buying it as well i don't know maybe they're not going to get it maybe maybe they don't want to give it a try and if they had it they would give it a try but they don't want to drop 50 bucks on it i remember mike you've done this where you've actually bought games for your friends because you want to yes. get them into a squad up situation <laughs> done it with too you. many times too the nice thing about game pass though is again if you and your buddies are all on game pass which you know if you've all got two working brain cells you're on game pass you don't have to worry about that right you've all got the game and you know back for blood was on game pass so that made it easier um to squad up uh yes. rainbow six extraction now aliens fire team was on yes, um was. game pass that makes it easier to squad up and now extraction i actually think that you're much more likely to not just be able to sample the game but sample it with your friends you know in, in a multiplayer environment because all your game pass buddies can just jump in you know without having to make that you know commitment of oh what what, what if i drop the 60 bucks on it and it sucks so that's that's another really nice component of game pass yeah, and this month we see kind of a big push with multiplayer games. It's funny, you know, Paris brought up the Outer Wilds, right? This incredible single-player experience that you have to try as a gem. My gems are actually on the multiplayer side, and there's three I want to bring up. One, I'm kind of so-so on, and that's the Anacrusis. I don't know if that game is truly going to be that great on the multiplayer side, but you save the money to at least experiment. But two that I do know are a ton of fun is actually Ember and Spelunky 2. Spelunky 2 is a very beloved franchise with Spelunky, but Spelunky 2 nails the fun four-player co-op aspect of trying to get through all these different maze-like levels, and it's going to make you torture your friends. It's going to make you laugh. You're going to share an incredible night plus of gaming. And then on the flip side, Ember is so much fun. It is the ultimate party game, just like Gang Beast is, just like Rubber Bandits was last month being added onto Game Pass. And these are these gems where, with that shared library, everybody gets to jump in. So I really encourage you to check out Ember and Spelunky 2, because those games are awesome with a group of friends. It's I think, you know, any way you slice it, even if Rainbow Six Extraction ends up not being a one of the flagship titles, it's a, it's a strong month for Game Pass. And again, it bodes well for Game Pass going into 2022. Yeah, and let's talk about that, because when they brought up Rainbow Six Extraction, they also, of course, brought up Rainbow Six Siege coming to PC. So you're getting all your Rainbow Six fix on everywhere you play. But the conversation started to turn towards Ubisoft Plus. And, of course, we saw on Ubisoft Plus, some people mixed the messaging, thought it was coming into Game Pass. That's not quite the way right now. So a positive is we're going to see that subscription service come onto console just like it was with EA Play before it was adopted into Game Pass. And so I want to ask you guys, what your thoughts are of seeing, of course, the subscription service coming on 
the consoles for console players to pay $15 a month, 100 plus Ubisoft titles at a single monthly cost. I'll read it right from the blog post with games and DLC available on launch day and monthly rewards, including cosmetics, boosters, in-game items, and more. So do you like that coming onto the service similar to EA Play? And then let's get into the conversation of if it is bundled with Game Pass eventually, how do we feel? What's the timeline? What would be the price? And then I also have another question for y'all when we get into that. So Paris, what do you think about just Ubisoft Plus coming in as its own separate subscription service. I, I like it and I don't at the same oh, time. Oh, and, okay. and and here's why. I I if if it was bundled somehow, if they were able to work out a deal that was bundled in the Game Pass, again, no brainer, obviously. Um, and and I take it in the sense of the way that EA Play was and and currently is now. I had zero interest in EA Play before it was integrated in a Game Pass. It was almost subscription fee fatigue where i i wasn't going to just buy all these individual subscriptions to play these games because i wasn't seeing enough value in the other ones that were just coming from a, a single third-party publisher like ea or even with ubisoft plus i'm not sure i'm seeing and it would depend on the price obviously but i'm imagining it's probably going to at least be like 10 bucks a month i don't know if i would want to invest 10 bucks a month into just Ubisoft Plus, like I'm not doing it on PC right now, as an example, and, and it's available to me. Um, I think if it was a part of Game Pass Ultimate, and sure, it's easy to say, hey, if it was still 15 bucks, you add it as just more value, of course you would do it. But even if there was a slight pay increase to, to Game Pass Ultimate, maybe, let's say it's 15 right now, let's say it was, I don't know, 17, and that also included Ubisoft Plus, maybe I, I could see the appeal of, of wanting to do that. I'm, I'm mixed on it, I, really, because I I kind of like where Game Pass is living right now at its $15 price point. Mm-hmm. You are getting a great value from it with all the deals that, that they're currently making. Um, yeah, it would be great to see Ubi, all the Ubisoft games in there as well. But at the same time, I almost feel like I don't need them. So, sure. Great, bring it to the service. I'm sure there's going to be some people that that are going to be interested in it, but I think a lot of that's going to have to do with how they price it out. If they can get it at like five bucks a month, I think you you will see a lot of adoption of Ubisoft Plus. Anything higher higher than that, I think you're you're going to start running into subscription fatigue where people aren't going to want to just be subscribing to all these different game game subscriptions you know, on, on one particular platform. Now, if it was 10 bucks and, and that was across PlayStation, Xbox, PC and everything, mm. no brainer. But yeah. if it was just Xbox, ugh, I, I don't know. That's interesting pairs. Cause I'm on the opposite side. I really enjoyed EA play before it got bundled in. Cause I believe it was only $5 a month. So right. I really took advantage of the 10 free hour trial on all their games, right? Like that was the big selling point for me was, okay, that's a low price point to get, 10-hour free trials on the new games and then see where I go from that afterwards with the discount. But when I look at Ubisoft Plus, and I think just like you brought up, right, (coughs) what is the price point going to be? We've talked about it before. How long does EA Play stay in the Game Pass subscription service? Will it ever leave? And would it be replaced with Ubisoft Plus? If it is bundled all together and we have both of these great services, right, does that take me up to $20, $25? And like you said, now I start to get a little worried of like, I like this $15 price point. And for me, I kind of look at it with Amazon Luna, which we've done streams for before, which I kind of like that a la carte of like, hey, you can just get Game Pass. And then here's Ubisoft Plus. You can pay your own thing on that one and kind of get it bundled in. It would be interesting to see if we could do Game Pass Ultimate and maybe get a discount on Ubisoft Plus on the console for 
five to seven dollars instead of 15. I would kind of like that a la carte option because I do like the idea of getting day and date Ubisoft titles, but I'm similar to you. I don't know. $15 a month on already my 15. That's $30 a month coming into Xbox every single month. That's a lot going on subscription service wise, not including other things. So it's a lot for me, but I, I am excited to see it at least come to the service and see where we get to six months, a year down the road. And we have this conversation again about game pass, but Gary, I know you and your wife, you love the Assassin's Creed games. You've played a lot of them recently. Mm -hmm. You know, where do you fall on this? Do you, are you in for 15? Well, I, you know, so as, as I heard Paris talking just now about, um, you know, subscription fatigue, I was, I was having a similar thought about how, you know, I think what we might be starting to see in video games is similar to what we've already seen, you know, with, you know, Netflix and Disney plus and Hulu and Amazon and you know, prime now and mm -hmm. all of these incredible, mm -hmm. um, uh, subscription services. And you think I oh, 10, 15 bucks a month, what a great value. And individually they are. But, you know, if you're someone like me and you want to cover all your bases, you want to make sure that you there's no like particular show or um, you know, movie, you know, platform that you're missing out on, you have all of them. Add, but, but if you add them all up, you'd be surprised how much you're spending every month. Once all these, you know, 15, 20 dollars a month uh, subscriptions um, add up. And I think we are maybe starting to, you know, obviously EA Play now, Ubisoft Plus, who's going to be next? Activision, probably, you know, whatever that might look like. And so... It's interesting. It's it's an attractive proposition for Xbox gamers because, you know, we already live in this world where the majority of games that we play are on Game Pass. And the idea of buying games a la carte, 50, 60, 70 bucks at a time almost feels kind of quaint and old fashioned to us now. Because like, is, wouldn't it just be on Game Pass? Like that feels that already feels like the new normal. So ubiquitous Game Pass has become. And so while in while in theory and in concept i i love the idea of oh yeah well what if you had that for all the ubisoft games what if you had that for all the activision games then that's then that's cool as well but again those again those subscriptions can very quickly uh start to add up i think and so i like the idea of you know like the more game pass can subsume and make my life simpler and the fewer subscriptions i have to manage and worry about paying every month the better so whether it's you know ubisoft plus just gets folded into game pass ultimate or like you said you get you know game pass uh, members get it for 50 percent off or whatever i'm probably going to want these subscription services and if there's a way for game pass to kind of bring them inside the fold uh, with some kind of value added proposition then yeah absolutely yeah i could see them definitely giving us a game pass ultimate rewards right of like maybe three months half price on you yeah you've try. already I seen them do that with that. disney plus and stuff yeah, like that right? right here yeah i think that's a great way and like you said paris like this is the testing bed let's see how many people attach themselves to it? Is it popular at this price point or does it need to be lowered? And then you have the negotiations of bringing in the game pass for sure. So I, I have a, another thing to bring up slightly on topic with this slightly off, but it's just overall, like, again, we joke around that we chill for game pass on here all the time mm -hmm. and how great it is. So really good friend of mine. I was actually uh, having a phone call with him earlier and the, the topic of death's door came up because, you know, he heard our game of year episode. And he was like, man, I really want to play it. He goes, but I'm holding out till it's on Game Pass. And that just made me think, here's, here's a great game. Obviously, you know, we've talked about it a lot, how great it is. It's not, not even a $60 game. It's a $20 game. And, and the mentality that he has, I've seen this, this sentiment from other people online as well, where they would rather just hold off and quote unquote hope that the game they really want to mm. play 
comes yeah. to the Game Pass versus actually just buying it when it's available, you know, with no promise that it's ever going to come to the service. I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I, I, I think as, as time moves forward and, and we see these subscription services happen, because, you know, obviously PlayStation is rumored to do something similar here pretty soon. That's going to be an interesting thing to see what what happens with with certain games, especially from the third parties, if people will continue to just buy them a la carte, buy them at full price, buy them when they go on sale. Or are we going to see this 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 game of cat and mouse where people are going to wait? Does it show up on, on the on the subscription service that I subscribe to? You know, I'll wait and see. I'll take that gamble and hold off versus actually experiencing something, you know, that that's fun to play right now. So so just just a thought again. Yeah. I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but, you know, that was just, just an interesting conversation I had earlier about Game Pass and how how obviously this person really likes it. Good friend of mine. But at the same time, you know, he's like, screw paying full price for a game. I'll just get it on there. I yeah, think everybody I, I, has that friend. Everybody I, has I, that I, compl- I I've had a lot of these similar thoughts myself. We've talked about it on the show before, I think, where Game Pass has become so ubiquitous that you now any new game that gets announced, like your first if Xbox game is the first thing you think is, oh, what if it's going to be on Game Pass? Right. You mm-hmm. know? Yes. And sometimes it's announced at launch and sometimes not. I mean, look at Rainbow Six Extraction. That was announced ages ago. They just announced it for Game Pass like a month before it's going to drop. And so like right up until like release day, you're thinking, oh, but it could come to Game Pass. It could be. And then when it doesn't, you're like, ah, oh. like, it's gotten to a point now where in the same way that for many of us buying physical media has started to feel kind of old fashioned because we've all moved you know, into the digital realm is that buying games for $60, $70 a time, I think is very quickly going to become, um, it's going to start to feel antiquated as well as, as these services become more ubiquitous. And it's not just a Game Pass issue. It's Game Pass right now. But Sony clearly is coming into the fold with this Spartacus, mm-hmm. whatever their uh, Game Pass clone is going to be called. And that's going to cover, you know, two of the three major console platforms. It's only a matter of time before, you know, maybe Epic or Valve or someone gets in, you know, with some kind of service uh, that offers something similar on the PC side. Game Pass Ultimate obviously already covers a lot of stuff on the PC side. I do think we are moving towards a future where the majority of games that we play are coming to us via a Game Pass or a Spartacus uh, type service. And what does that mean for the old fashioned business model of, again, $60, $70 a time? And, you know, because that's obviously locked into physical media as well. You can only buy physical, you have to buy physical media game. You know, you buy one copy of it and you own it. So I, I think the next couple of years are going to be really, really interesting. I think we're going to see a very fast, evolution towards these kind of services um as more and more people wait you know, six months a year from now there's going to be all these kind of sony fanboys who are like now they're, they're spartacus fanboys right like whatever <laughs> whatever it is we're feeling now with game pass right the sony people are going to be getting like, oh my god like where has this been all my life um and the only question is how much of the, how much of the physical game media and you know a la carte game media purchasing world is going to be left will that will there still be a vibrant business model for that or will it just be kind of a handful of holdouts and everyone's already jumped ship to the big subscription services yeah it's a fun one and you know we talk about having january and game pass having a really strong month and the partnership team should get a nice pat on the back because they got you three big games that we're talking about here and a whole lot of other great gems but there's also now kind of a hole as we look forward to the future of 2022 in this first and second quarter before summer and, of course, the holiday season of what are the games? Where are the big titles that we're looking for over on Xbox? And we're going to talk about that in just a moment after you hear a word from our sponsors. 
Kick off 2022 with a better checking account with no monthly fees, no overdraft fees, no foreign transaction fees, and no service fees. Get all that and then some with Chime, an award-winning app and debit card. They've also got over 60,000 fee-free in-network ATMs all over the place, like at most Walgreens, 7-Elevens, or CVSs. You can access your money when you need it, where you need it. Make sure you make the first good decision of the new year and join over 10 million people using Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com slash KF Games. That's Chime.com slash KF Games. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank NA members, FDIC. Get fee-free transactions at a Money Pass ATM in a 7-Eleven location and at any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. ATM. Otherwise, out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply. Sometimes pay-anyone instant transfers can be delayed. The recipient must use a valid debit card or be a Chime member to claim funds. Relationships aren't perfect, and MeUndies is celebrating our imperfectly perfect matches with their new Valentine's Day collection. I don't have to read the ad anymore. I can just tell you I'm wearing MeUndies, ladies and gentlemen. Always have been, always. Well, you know, not always, I guess. But what happened is I had a bunch of underwear I didn't like that much, and then I tried a couple pairs of MeUndies, and I was like, these are amazing, and I ordered a whole bunch of MeUndies, and now it's all I wear, and I am due for more. Maybe I'll do it here. Back to the ad. Gifting underwear for Valentine's Day? Wow, real groundbreaking. Express your one-of-a-kind relationship when you match your bottom half to your better half and fun limited edition prints. And if you're single, don't worry. You can mingle in matching pairs with your friends or even get dog hoodies and buddy bands to match your four-legged pal. MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For a limited time only, get 25% off your first order of matching pairs for Valentine's Day. And... As a first-time purchaser, you can also get 15% off in free shipping right now to your door. To get 25% off matching pairs, 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. That's MeUndies.com slash kindoffunny. Guess what I use all the time, ladies and gentlemen? DoorDash. That's right. I come down here. I record the shows. I come upstairs. Jen's taking care of our newborn. Is a three-month-old? Our three-month-old. And guess what? We're both too tired to make food, so we order on DoorDash. We do it all the time, and you should too. You've got back-to-back meetings, errands to run, and chores to take care of. What's the secret to clearing your to-do list? A little help from DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered to your door with DoorDash. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items in under an hour. With over for 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos. Choose from your favorite national chains like Popeye's, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download, that's you, download the DoorDash app and enter the code GAMES2021. That's 25% off, up to a $10 value, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code GAMES2021. Don't forget, that code is GAMES2021 one for 25% off your first order with DoorDash, subject to change. Terms apply. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's return to that conversation because, Paris, you had Stalker 2 on your fantasy draft. That was going to be kind of the next big title that Xbox was promoting as an exclusive partnership, right? We did find out it was only a three-month partnership, but still a big exclusive title that they were bringing to this. This gets delayed, so let's talk about this delay first, but then let's talk about the hole that we're going to see from Xbox first party games. And then also what kind of partnerships can we expect and what are our dream partnerships? So of course, over on the stalker Twitter page, they have dropped the news of Hey, stalkers. We have, we have made the decision to postpone the release of stalker Two: heart of Chernobyl to December 8th, 2022. 
These additional seven months of development are needed to fulfill our vision and achieve the desired state of the game, Stalker 2. Stalker 2 is the biggest project in history of GCS, and it requires thorough testing and polish. We are convinced that development should take as long as necessary, especially in the case of such a project. Paris, of course, I got to go to you first because you picked it on your fantasy draft. I know all of us Xbox fans were very excited about this. It showed well all the times it did show. Kind of an interesting move. I mean, of course, not a crazy move in the world of COVID, but it was interesting of, I thought this game was going to be here for sure. I thought we could rely on this one. How do you feel about the delay? And then, of course, the hole that we're going to see right now with kind of first party and partnership games. Yeah, I mean, you know, we joke about it, you know, from the fantasy draft standpoint, but, you know, just as as a gamer, it's a bummer to see it fall that far, uh, to have that much of a delay all the way to December of, of 2022 versus I believe it was originally going to come out in April. Right. Um, it just, it just looks great. Everything I've seen about it just looks like I want to play this game. I want to experience this game, but you know, like you said, in, in, in the times that we're in right now, games getting delayed, nothing will, would surprise me. That's why, you know, even though they're saying December, 2022 wouldn't shock me to see this dip into Q1 2023, because take all the time you need. Obviously there's probably people working remotely doing this that slows down development development, polish, QA, just the whole thing that they're trying to do to make the best game they possibly can with Stalker 2. So it's a bummer, but kind of like we've also alluded to, it also kind of made me aware of the fact that I think about all the games that are going to be coming here in Q1 and Q2 of 2022, and there's nothing coming from Microsoft Game Studios. Um, I mean, I guess you could say Crossfire X. I know uh, Replaced is allegedly supposed to come out the first half of this year you know which wow. is another another you know partnership that you know that they're doing i forget the studio name but other than that i can't think of anything coming directly from microsoft game studios that that we should be getting excited about here in the first half of the year i mean really i guess the first one would be redfall which is slated for the summertime so i mean we'll see knock on wood hopefully that doesn't get delayed and it, it, it comes out this summer and then obviously we know the big one this year for them that that we know a date on is going to be Starfield uh, in November. But, you know, it, I mean, we're in unprecedented time. So again, nothing shocks me. I, it, things get delayed. Things need more time. Maybe there was originally a plan. Cause I know Matt Booty at one point said, you know, their goal is to have a game every quarter. Um, I clearly we're not there yet with that coming from the games from Microsoft game studios. We know they're working on a lot of different things, but um, you know, it's, it's funny there's definitely a lot of stuff that's slated to come out this year, but it's just not coming from Microsoft Game Studios. I mean, you know, we look on the PlayStation side, we know Horizon Forbidden West is coming out. We know we're getting uh, Sifu's coming here really soon um, on and on down down the list of uh, games that are coming in February and March. But like I said, nothing from Microsoft Game Studios. So be interesting to see how that plays up, which again, kind of they're going to have to lean on these partnerships that they're making with game pass right now, you know, to kind of keep people busy with things to do, you know, un until they have some of their own in-house games ready to go. That's yeah, an interesting wave that we're in right now. Cause you, know, you talk about the bat moody statement and we all think to ourselves, okay, like this is the track that they want to be on. But right now we just came from a quiet first half last year and then a banging end of the year. Right. And you thought, okay, we're getting on track here. This could be the vision but clearly we're not going to get that as we're going to have a quiet first half again and yeah. a, you know, maybe a spectacular second half. We're not quite sure of everything being dated, but 
we can look at the calendar right now and pinpoint we're going to have a quieter side. And so that means the partnership team is going to have to elevate that just like we see to start the year, bringing on Mass Effect, Rainbow Six Extraction Day One, Hitman Trilogy that, yeah, it is a full year old, but it's actually going to go into year two with a bunch of content. So something to get excited for. But I did some look to see what can we expect. And you brought up Crossfire X. That's coming in February, along with Total War, Warhammer 3 to the PC Game Pass side. So you do have some kind of like semi-big partnerships here that will bring some games. I'm not convinced on Crossfire X at all. I know everybody was pumped up on Remedy in the campaign, but I'll bring it up again. That multiplayer we played with that test time when they brought it up to Xbox was not fun, was not enjoyable. And so it will be interesting to see how that's received in early February. But as we look over, what does the partnership need to do next, Gary? Because we have games like Dying Light 2, maybe Tiny Tina's Wonderlands coming up here in the spring. Do they need to grab one a month? Can they do such a feat to maybe satiate us Xbox fans with the lack of first parties? First of all, on the issues of games slipping in general, I just want to speak to that mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, we it, it, it hung as you'll both remember, like a like a shadow over our entire draft last week. Right? <laughs> For every game that we picked, there had to be two components to our thinking. The first part, which should have been all of it, which was, is the game going to score well? And then the other half was, well, what if it's going to slip? Because that's the age that we live in now, right? We're all conditioned now as we scroll through our Twitter timelines to wait for that block of text in a you know on a colored background with a tweet that just says a message from such and such developer you're like oh no what slipped this time you know what's what's the long you know description of why this game's going to slip and we are you know our heart sinks every time we see it especially if it's a game that we're anticipating but it's just become part of the new you know covid normal covid's not going anywhere go, going anywhere anytime soon uh, unfortunately and uh, you know the um uh, what was the game that we were just referencing that, that got slipped, that, that, that already announced it's slipping? Stalker, Stalker 2. Yeah. So Stalker 2, what, two weeks into the year, we've already got our first announcement. It's not going to be the last by far. There's going to be many more dominoes are going to fall, in, in, including, I'm, I'm sure, some of the games uh, that were in our draft pick. I, I, I'm nervous even about Starfield. Halo, it was unthinkable that it would slip, and it did, right? And Starfield's in November. Not a lot of margin for error for that to hold on to a calendar uh, you know, once it goes into December, it's too late, right? So they've got almost no margin at all. So even the biggest, biggest games could be hit by this because the COVID situation is just out of, uh, out of, out of our hands in so many situations. So I do think we're gonna we're gonna see games continue to slip, continue to slip. Thankfully, I think the attitude among a lot of gamers now is rather than go, ah, why is this game slipping? We we understand it now, right? And we've seen so many again, Cyberpunk and so many others that have come out and illustrated why games should wait for whatever reason they should wait until they're ready when someone tells us that a game is is slipping and again we're going to see many more of these thankfully now the the general kind of sentiment from the public at large gamers at large is well that sucks but do what you got to do we right we, yeah. we'd rather you get it right than hit you know an arbitrary date and then we've got to deal with patches and you know broken launches and stuff like that so you know it's not great but it is what it is in terms of the microsoft studio stuff and them not having like a big title in this first quarter it's interesting. I'm old, I'm old enough to remember when nobody really expected big games in January, February, March, because all the big titles have hit in September, October, November. And, you know, they, you'd have to wait for the next, you know, and then summer would be kind of quiet. And it wasn't, maybe you'd have some decent games in the spring. Summer would be kind of dead. And then it wasn't until, again, you got into the, the backside of the year with September, October, that the big 
the big big releases would uh, would come. Now it seems as, as though there isn't real. Aside from the fact that the holiday season's always when the biggest biggest games tend to come out. Now it seems like you know um, it, it's it, the the bets are off all all year round. And what February's packed, right? February is packed with game releases. So it could just be adjusting to kind of a new normal of, you know, there's now more of an expectation. It's now less of an excuse. Oh, it's February. What do you want from us? Well, all these all these games are out, like these other big releases. So maybe there's more of an expectation there. Look, Microsoft had a terrific holiday with um, with Forza and Halo and Age of Empires. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, going into, well, what have you done for me lately mode if they don't have like a AAA banger in February or March. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to, to keep the faith, but yeah, I mean, it's going to, I think the, I think the, the early part of the year, if you, for those keeping score is going to look a little bit lopsided as Sony comes in with, um, the new, uh, the new horizon, which is going to be huge. I'm sure that was Great one of my, that was one of my draft picks. Um, I believe. Um, and you know, even for something like the Uncharted collection, like, you know, which we, we, we just talked before the show, we're excited about Sony's got some good, Sony's got some good stuff in the first half of the year. Not so much on the Microsoft side. Again, we'll, we'll see where we are at the end of 2022. Let's, let's reserve judgment. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of what we're seeing right now in terms of game slipping in general and Microsoft not having like a big AAA, you know, flagship title in the early part of the year is just a sign of, you know, the times they are a changing. Yep. Paris partnership wise. Do you think that team has a little bit of extra weight on their shoulders here in this first window? What do you think changes over there? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. I would think you would want to keep this momentum going because obviously we see they're getting off to a great start in January. You wouldn't want it to just go completely radio silent as we go into February, March and April, right? Where they're not continuing this momentum of at least having kind of a, a few big, big, you know, third party partnership games that they're able to bring in. I mean, you already named a few that have the potential, obviously, uh, of joining the service. Um, question I did have, though, was Tunic. D does Tunic have a date on it? It does not, I believe. Yeah, because I think that's another one that's supposed to be early first half of 2022, but I, I don't I'll, think they've I'll bring officially. Up the most recent trailer because I, yeah. you know, I'm wondering if general if companies are coming to Xbox gonna... and Steam March 16th as well. Oh, there you go. Oh shit, there you go. Right. Okay. Yeah. I was so, going to say if I wonder, companies are going to be a little bit more gun shy about even giving out dates as early as they used to because it's like we we live in a world now where more likely than not the date's going to going to going to shift. So maybe. You know, if I were running a publishing company, whatever, you know, my game's like 18 months out, rather than announce a date now, I would rather keep my powder dry and get a better sense. Well, is this going to slip? Because as soon as you put a date on it, you set expectations. And then you have to say, you know, somebody in the social media department a year from now is going to start writing up that card. You know, oh, here's why the game has to slip. You know, we're sorry to disappoint you. So I would, I, I wonder if companies are going to move to a model of like just holding on to their release dates or being more vague about their release, you know, window expectations because we know that they can go up in smoke in a in a in a heartbeat these days. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. And I I kind of think this this year is an is I never say it right, but a, an anomaly. <laughs> I had to stress to say it, an anomaly because a lot of these games that are packed that are coming in February, even you know January, February, March, these were supposed to be holiday games in mm. in uh, 2021, and obviously there was a delay because because of COVID and everything. So this may not be the new normal. We may kind of go back to the way it used to be where, you know, the first half of, of a year is kind of dry. And then as you get into the summer and obviously into the fall and holiday is when you start to see a lot of the, a lot of the big titles come out. 
But I mean, yeah, this year is kind of unprecedented for the amount of of high quality games we're going to see in the first 90 days of the year. So, I mean, and like you said, Gary, there's still no guarantee, even though there's a date on them that they're actually going to make those dates. It could still slip. And the thing is, it occurs to me now, those two issues that I talked about is the issue of games slipping in general and more games showing up in the first quarter. The two things are related. A bunch of these games that we're seeing in February, March were originally supposed to be holiday games right. that got pushed. They're not They're not releasing February or March because you know some publisher has decided that that's the most advantageous time to release their game. It's because it got pushed and they don't want to hold it for like a whole other holiday season they want to get out as soon as they can so they can make their quarter or whatever but instead of instead of q4 which is where they wanted to be they got stuck with the next q1 well looking at xbox first party titles a big hit last year was of course age of empires 4 coming to pc and the conversation was will this come to console the focus was on pc right now games radar has reported a twitter profile who actually kind of just goes through all of the different microsoft backend stuff has reportedly seen some movement on the age of empires four and it possibly coming to console pretty soon here with some play tests. Do you guys think that this will bring an extra added boost? If it were to release anywhere from March to may over there to fill that kind of gap. And also how do you think players on the console side will receive this RTS as we've seen with halo wars two and one before. I, I think I think this it does happen and it'd be good if it, it happens in the first half of the year. I mean, it, it's it's a great game. Obviously, it's an RTS. It's built for the PC mouse and keyboard. But if they're able to translate that experience over to a controller and obviously you can plug in a, a keyboard in, into your into your Xbox Series X as well, if you so choose. So I think they'll be able to give people some options on the console side to be able to experience it. And it's a great game. Um, you know, I, I think I, I, yeah, I wasn't on that episode. Where I, I, I got I got to put, I got to put my old PC gamer editor hat on here though and yeah. say that if is a very big if because I don't think because okay. I don't think it's ever been done. Twenty years ago, I was you know as a PC gamer guy, I was very skeptical that uh, first person shooters could ever be truly viable on the console with thumbsticks and halo proved me wrong. And now 20 years later in a situation where there's a legitimate, legitimate discussion to be had about whether console thumbsticks or, um, or mouse and keyboard are better for playing a, a playing on shooters. You know, there's I, I, again, everyone's going to take their own side in that debate, but there is actually a debate. The, the other thing, the, uh, the, the other big PC, the genre that was kind of built and created was born on PC, which is real time strategy, which is heavily, heavily dependent on both precision of you know mouse pointer control and having tons and tons of keys at your you know at your um at your uh, disposal especially if you want to play it fast having all the macros and all the key binds and stuff like that you ever watch like pro starcraft players they've got all their macros and key binds and you need to you need to get on that shit really really quickly if you want to respond um i've i've still yet to see maybe i'm wrong someone in the comments can tell me if i'm wrong but i've still yet to see a really viable gamepad based implementation of a proper a proper rts on console um obviously you can plug a mouse and a keyboard into an xbox these days and that would be a great option but microsoft's not going to make that required right there has to be an option for gamepad players and i have yet to be convinced of anything that i've seen that you can take like a real rts like like age of empires 4 which is very precise and very involved and and, and there's a lot of stuff going on on the screen and there's a lot of stuff you need to do with your keyboard and your mouse that there's a way to map that all over to controller that is just as effective maybe i'm wrong maybe they'll prove me wrong uh again the way that halo did 20 years ago but this this has been going on rts has been around for a long time consoles have been around for a long time they're a major major genre 
if there was really a way to make it happen by now, I feel I think we would have seen it. So I'm very skeptical about RTS yeah. on on console. Well, I'll shoot you the challenge, Gary, because I am a big RTS fan. Age of Empires is one of my favorite games of the year, but Halo Wars One and Two did a terrific job with their RTS and gamepad support. Here's tactics. Now, style, but also here's the difference. Good. Those games say, were built. The, ones. Here's the difference. Those games were built on from the ground up for console, right? So I think they 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 would they would have from day one have come. Okay, how can we build this game around a control scheme that can actually work on gamepad? Whereas Age of Empires, that's a, that's a franchise that. The, the the xbox is inheriting that's a pc franchise that the xbox is inheriting where it was originally designed without having to worry about those kind of controller compromises i think that's a t i think that's a heavier lift you're 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 95 right but if if i'm not mistaken gears tactics was not though gears tactics started off as a is a pc game if, if a yeah and then it, oh, came it was to pc console. first mm -hmm. okay yeah. so i'm thinking mm -hmm. i'm thinking more specifically about halo wars yeah. where it's 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 like i said it's the the games that i grew up on command and conquer again i'm aging myself again here. yeah, it's, yeah, yeah totally warcraft 3 command yeah. and conquer red alert um you know starcraft those kind of games those are huge 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 games and there was if, if there was money to be made and there is money to be made bringing those games onto console if they could make them work there's, mm -hmm. that's the only reason it's not been done because they just can't figure out a way to to boil down the the kind of control scheme and control mechanism that was originally devised for pc and and distill that down to something that works on a gamepad without you know dumbing down the game itself yeah gary you're, you're right on the controls gary and i think that's their biggest task is can they get it work working truly with a controller but i think in the long run not only will it bolster that 2022 window if they could make it happen sooner than later let's say but on the flip side i think it only helps age of empires 4 right this gives that longevity I'm mm -hmm. having a tough time finding friends who will play it on the PC with me. I would love for it to be on console with cross play and all of us be able to jump in. I think it increases the legs of this game and really maybe brings new fans to the Age of Empires world, right? If you bring that onto console, it's on Game Pass. People can give it a try. And if they nail the controller, like you say, Gary, maybe more people will really love this franchise and we can get more of these in the future, you know? No, I mean, nothing would make me happier than for the for console gamers who have never played, you know, a PC game to to be introduced to the delights of of RTS gaming. Some oh. of the most fun I've ever had is play I play is playing RTS games. Um, I, I, to me, it's one of the last great kind of uncharted uh, frontiers is 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 bringing that kind of gameplay to a to a gamepad. Well, let's keep it moving right now. We have a really fun one from Phil Spencer had a big interview over with the New York Times. Kara Swisher interviewing him under what they titled to understand the metaverse, look to video games. And there was a lot of great questions, a great read through right there. If you get the chance to jump over there and check it out. But I grabbed a couple that of course, I want to talk with all of you about the first one, of course, it's console sales and how well is Xbox doing questioned about the pandemic being an accelerant uh, of sorts and how it affects business and console sales. Phil uh, responded with quote, supply is actually as big as it's ever been. It's that the demand is exceeding the supply for all of us. At this point, we've sold more of this generation of Xboxes, which is the Xbox Series X and S, than we would than we had any previous version of Xboxes. So it's our job to get the supply there to meet the demand. Gary, can you believe that statement in the world that we've lived in with the chip shortages and COVID? I mean, this being the you know highest selling console so far of the generation, do you believe that? 
First of all, since you mentioned the title of the article, I just got I, I just got to say it's just another reason to fucking hate Mark Zuckerberg, isn't it? Like he fucked me. Fuck <laughs> we were so excited about before before it was called before he decided everyone was going to call it the metaverse. I think we were all cautiously optimistic about VR and immersive gaming. Right? I'm a, I'm a big believer in VR ever since the original uh, Oculus Rift first came out and like really showed that it could be possible. And yeah, it's not there yet, but when VR experiences are good. They can be really, really good. And I think in a couple more generations of technology, the potential is just absolutely amazing. We all want to get to that Ready Player One holodeck type future. And I think one day we'll get to something at least approaching I don't know if we that. all want that, but... Well, okay, well, I, I, want is I want it, Barrett. So I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to speak for you, but I, I, I personally want it. I want that. I, 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 want, I want to go live in a virtual reality where I can be like a rock star or a like Buzz Lightyear or whatever and actually feel like... I'm there, you know, whatever that black mirror, you remember that black mirror Star Trek episode where you're like really on the bridge of the starship yeah, and yeah. You're like, you felt like you were really living in that world. Like that, that would be, I would want to at least try that. And I, and I feel like the, we've been trying to get slowly, slowly, whether or not we'll get there in a lifetime, I don't know, but we are trying to get there and we'll get to something like it. But then Zuckerberg comes along and suddenly now the brave new fucking future of VR is not getting fired in a real boardroom, but getting fired in a virtual boardroom by a fucking cartoon character floating head. What the fuck is that? I'm not interested in that. That's bullshit. Like he took something that was so exciting. He's like, yeah, you could go fly in outer space. Yeah, you could go to, un to, to realms beyond your imagination. But what if you could all sit in a meeting room? What a fucking failure of imagination. Anyway, moving on to, to your point. What was your question? Sorry, I went on a rant. <laughs> You are the best, Gary. I freaking love you. We're talking about, at this point, Xbox has sold more consoles this generation yeah. than Xboxes. Pretty wild, pretty wild statement right there. Pretty awesome to hear. Yeah. But can you believe that in the world we live in? No, and it just, it just goes, I think it just goes to show how much the pendulum can swing from one generation to another. Look how powerful the PlayStation 2 was. And then they kind of whiffed with the PlayStation 3. The Xbox was really, really ascendant in that generation. And then it flipped around the other way, right? Sony righted the ship with the PlayStation 4. And the Xbox One was, as I've said many times, I think that was their whiff. I think that that generation was basically kind of a swing and a miss. And so, you know, with the management changes that they made, and Game Pass and all the other strategic, you know, changes that they've made and getting getting it back to being about games and getting rid of the Kinect and bringing in ideas like Game Pass and basically just going kind to of reconceptualizing what the whole kind of X, what what the whole Xbox name means. They've done an amazing job just, you know, just to, with, with all the supply constraints that they've had as well over the last year where it's still really, really hard to find an Xbox on store shelves. I think they've done amazing. And again, as an Xbox fan, I'm really glad to see that I feel like at this point, if I feel like they've made a full recovery from the frankly i thought it was an embarrassment the xbox one john if you really want kind of the unvarnished truth on it it was just bad there's it's really really hard to go back to the xbox one and think about like like what 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 was the good that came out of that i think you the, the microsoft eventually said yeah let's just take our lumps on this one we'll reset and try and get it right with the series x and the series s and they've done that and they have now i think committed xbox one to the annals um of history and uh, and we and we move forward so i'm really really glad that the xbox one generation as dark as those years years were do not seem to have crept into holding back the next generation it does feel like we've had a, a fresh start um you know i think we're all more excited about xbox under phil spencer than we were you know don matrick and the people there uh before him the hardware is better again it's just better conceived and yeah I'm, I'm just glad that kind of the stain of the xbox one generation is has, has been consigned to history Parish, your thoughts on the positive news of the start of the generation? I, I'm holding it up for the people that are watching this on video. It's this. It's the Xbox Series S. I think 
that has turned out to be one of the smarter decisions that they've made going into this next generation because i i would really love to see what the split is sales wise on the s and the x during this time frame because it seems like the s has been a lot more available than the x has has been and i'm pretty sure that's driven a lot of the high sales that they've they've seen here over the past what, what are we now it's been out now what what 13 14 months at this point um but yeah, having this thing, it's a great value at its price point. I mean, it can do basically everything that its big brother can do, and you're getting that next-gen experience. Um, as a parent, godsend, because I get to save some money, and, and the kids don't complain because they don't care about 4K and all that. They just care about play, playing their games. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know we're, we're seeing that Microsoft has done a lot of smart things coming out of the previous generation with the xbox one i completely agree with everything that, that gary gary was saying earlier i mean the xbox one ultimately was a failure it just was i mean there's just no way to sugarcoat that um i think what came out of that generation was the strategy that there is now paying off because a lot of the services that we're seeing the backwards compatibility initiative cloud obviously game pass all these services that are now fueling what they have with this better hardware with the x and the s was born out of the mistakes that they made early on last generation with the xbox one so um it, it's great to see i think this also shows that their strategy of putting their games day and date on pc is not holding back console sales because they can't make enough of them right and you could if you have a pc you can go play it on pc if you so choose but you know still you're going to get a better value picking up a console to go play those games and obviously having that choice isn't isn't affecting anything hardware wise for them so i just think overall their strategy has been sound you know coming into the first coming into year one of this generation obviously we're now going to year two of it but yeah, it's it, it's been good, and and I I'm not shocked at all to see see the uh, success that they're having because I, I think it's smart. I mean, we you know, we really, I just want to say we really don't talk enough about the Series S. We talk yeah, a lot about the Series X because it's the yeah. sexy one, it's the flagship model, it's the more advanced model, it's the big boy. The Series S is the little engine that could though. It's not the mm -hmm. sexy one, but it's the it's the engine behind the scenes. It, obviously, obviously, Microsoft does not break down its Series X versus Series S. Uh, sales numbers, but I bet you if they did publish them, I, I would I'd be willing to bet a lot of money on this. The Series S would be but would would be far is far outselling the Series X because it is as I said the other day, it's it's the best console for most people. For the average gamer, it's for two for two nine nine for what for what it does. Um, I watch a lot of these digital foundry videos where they do the tech comparisons, and I'll have the Series X and the Series S version running side by side in a split screen split screen i can tell. barely tell the difference tell the difference yeah it, unless you care a lot about 4k and even if you do it's nearly it's really not making a lot, a lot of difference there's a massive difference the difference between 299 and 499 for a lot of people is very very significant and they're looking at what's out again but there's really not that big a difference between the two boxes and i and i think it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that microsoft knows that they're, they're obviously only, only able to kind of manufacture and put so many units into the channel right now they know there's a greater demand for the series s so that my guess is that that's where they're prioritizing their manufacturing and that's why it's been a little bit easier to find series s's on the shelf than it has been the series x i think i think microsoft right now is prioritizing getting series s's into the channel and that's the box that most people seem to want there's always going to be a high end of game i've got to have the 4k got to have 120 frames got to have this got to have that they want to have like the sexiest series x box the early adopters and the guys 
you know, with, uh, you know, infinite disposable income. But for the vast majority of the mass market, what Microsoft's primarily interested in, Series S is the sweet spot. Yeah, I, I love the approach heading into the generation. Great to see some good numbers there. And like I said, Cineview had a lot going on. There is one I do want to touch on because, Paris, you took uh, to Twitter to have a conversation about this. And the question was about internet trolls. And of course, Microsoft's and Xbox's approach to internet safety and safety features and what we see on kind of the duality of gaming communities and, of course, also the internet on social media. And Phil had a pretty interesting one here, kind of posed a question. And I want to know what your two thoughts on that was. So Phil kind of talked about this and he says, that's right. Something I would love us to be able to do, this is a hard one as an industry, is when somebody gets banned on one of our networks, is there a way for us to ban them across other networks? Or at least as a player for me to be able to bring my banned users list because I can always block people from my play and I'd love to be able to bring them to other networks where I play. So this is, this is the group of people that I choose not to play with because I don't want to have to recreate that in every platform that I play video games on. Paris, wh where do you feel about that kind of the, the blanket ban, we'll call that? Do you like that as that? Or could you see maybe a list following you to and from different consoles and uh, ecosystems? So this this is one I've I've been pretty passionate about for a while. Um and and I've I've talked about this before. I've even had the great opportunity to talk to a few different publishers about different options on what to be able to do about basically online safety. And and this isn't for me. I'm a big boy. Say whatever you want to me. It's more about my my kids that I'm so passionate about this because I want them to be able to play online and have a great experience and not get harassed. And obviously we've seen online all the sexism and the racism and the bullying and the harassment that happens. And it's just complete chaos and nonsense. So yeah, I, I was glad to see Phil talk about that openly. Um, but, but the solution is, is it's not simple. It's going to be hard to implement, but the solution is all these major publishers they need to unite. They need to unify as far as if I'm just just going to curse on here. But if you're an asshole on Xbox Live, then you don't get to be an asshole on PlayStation Network. If you're an asshole on Steam, you don't get to be an asshole on Epic. You're you're done. You're done for whatever period of time that you get banned on one service because you're not going to be an asshole on Xbox Live and go be an angel on another one. No, you're going to carry that toxic nature, that racist, sexist, harassing, bullying nature wherever you go in your online gaming thing. My my approach on it's been simple, and I know people got grumpy with me on social media. Gaming online is a privilege, not a right. It's just not you shouldn't be able to go on there and harass people and do whatever you want without with zero consequence. And if the consequence is you get banned on Xbox Live, that should follow you wherever your online presence goes. And I understand there's privacy and other things that go into this. I understand that there's mistakes that do potentially happen with people getting banned for things that they didn't do. But that percentage is so flipping tiny compared to the large amount of people that create this toxic nature online. So, yeah, I'm glad Phil's talking about it. I hope there's actual action happening behind the scenes, you know, with, with, with privacy, trust and safety, you know, across these various publishers to figure out a, a universal solution. It, it, it has to happen. It does. I can't trust my kids untethered being online gaming. I have to make sure that if they are gaming, I know who they're gaming with. I make sure it's in a safe place or in a private party, whatever the case may be, because there's just too many assholes online. 
that love to do the things that they do and harass people and say all these these crazy racist toxic things you know to people because there's zero consequence to it and oh i got i got banned on playstation network whoop-de-doo i'll go make an account and jump on xbox live and keep doing the same thing so look we don't need to turn this into the network technical show but there are things that can happen to enforce this just is going to take everyone getting on board and agreeing on a universal approach to do it and once there are actual consequences to these things i guarantee you you will stop seeing so many people being being toxic online because if you take that thing away from them they're going to think twice before they do it 100 percent. i love that approach pairs and you said it so well i like all of that gary anything to add before yeah, I have a, we move on, no, I have I a couple. You've I have, dealt with some internet trolls. I have a couple of thoughts on this, but it is, it is something I feel very strongly about. First of all, you know, I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big advocate of of cross play and cross progression. Yep. Add to that cross ban. How amazing yes. would that would that be? The problem with it is, how do you implement that? Like, it's a great, it's a lovely idea, but like, how do you actually make that work? There's no way of knowing that fucking Dongmaster 420 on Xbox Live <laughs> is the same as Cock Wrangler 69 on PlayStation Network. How do I know that's the same guy? I, I can opt into that. Like through my Discord, I can connect my Xbox Live and my Steam and my PSN and my Battle.net, and I can connect it all together for things like um, cross-play. And there are ways to do that. But like I, I choose to opt into that because that's of a benefit to me. If I'm a troll and it's a benefit to me to actually be separate entities on all these different platforms, how how... It, it's a it's a wonderful idea that I I don't even begin to know how what the solution is to implement that. Maybe there I would love I'd love to, for us to figure out a way. Maybe if Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo and all the big companies could come together and figure out a way to like make that kind of like you have you have to agree to integrate all your accounts or whatever. But that, that's it's a pipe dream. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. But we we'd all be living in a better world if it was. The other thing I just want to make a, a, a reference real quickly is that I noticed that one of the one of the main headlines that came out of Phil's interview with uh, the New York Times this past week. And this, unfortunately, again, is a sign of the times that we live in and the, and the media's uh, preference to inflame rather than inform and come up with the most clickbaity, you know, outrageous, you know, anger-fueling headline possible was Phil, Phil Spencer says Xbox is not a free speech platform, as though, as, as though that is somehow controversial or a provocative thing to say. Of course it's not. I said this on Greg's show the other day. The only entity, uh, at least in the United States, that has um, any obligation to, pr pr to protect or provide for or allow free speech is the U.S. government. No, no, private platforms don't have the obligation to do that. What muddies the waters is, again, you see companies like Facebook that will say, well, we don't want to moderate uh, anything because we have an obli obligation to free speech. No, they don't. It's because they're too cowardly. To, to, to put their foot down on people. And that's why Facebook is, 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 is running rampant with, you know, hate speech and COVID misinformation because they won't put, because they, because they go, oh, free speech, free speech. You have no obligation. Facebook has no obligation to, pro to provide free speech and nor does Xbox. Uh, they need to protect their users. If Xbox hid behind the same kind of free speech, um, you know, platitudes that Facebook uh, did, trolls would be running rampant on xbox you have to be able to put the hammer down on the on these people there's no obligation for them to provide free speech i don't know why in, in any way that was picked up as a headline or, or or perceived as a controversial statement both my da gaming dads have spoke and i love when you guys bring the realness on this let's say goodbye though to a beloved thing and that is halo on the xbox 360 that's right the end of an era 
Those Halo online services are now closed down for Halo 3, Halo Reach, Halo 4. Of course, you can still do custom games because that is a player-to-player matchmaking thing. But all matchmaking services for those games will be shut down and are now sunset and goodbye. So great memory there. Cool to see a lot of players jump in there and have some fun, whether they be helping each other get achievements or playing some games. But uh, it is time to say goodbye to those servers over there, which is wild. But a little picky up right now, Halo Infinite has now announced the dates for their next upcoming limited time event. That's right. Cyber Showdown begins January 18th, and it's bringing new cosmetics and a new game mode. People are speculating that it will either be King of the Hill or Attrition, a game mode we have not quite yet seen and know all the details about. But you best believe on January 18th, it's time to jump back into the fight and get all those cosmetics. Paris, I want to circle back because we had the winter break, and that was winter contingency, and a little bit different than what we saw with the Samurai event. This one was you got to play one game a day to earn the line of cosmetics instead of do challenges and earn the XP to get up to that challenge level, we'll call it. What did you think of that? And what do you think we can expect from Cyber Showdown? I mean, I think it was a good step in the right direction for kind of fixing the progression issues and obviously the getting getting the rewards from these various events. Um, I think as we go into this next one, obviously it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how they handle it. It's just... It, it it brings up the whole thing with, with Halo Infinite. I know we haven't done done like our whole spoiler cast and everything. I know we'll we'll get to that at some point. But when I think about even going back to our game of the year episode, this is the 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 fatal flaw right now that Halo Infinite has is just that progression and rewards still doesn't feel as fulfilling to me. I fully admit I don't play multiplayer as much as I thought I would be right now for that very reason because I'm kind of trying to wait to and see if it gets to that sweet spot to where yeah the game is fun to just play but you know I, i'm a, i'm a destiny guy I, I i need that carrot that i'm chasing that it feels like i'm feeling rewarded for for my efforts right and right now i don't necessarily get that from halo infinite i'm glad to see that they're they're, they're starting to ramp up these events i'm glad that we're starting to see more modes come in because because that is needed i'm also under i'm also having patience with this as well but, you know, I, I, I see the sentiment out there in the community. I see what people are talking about. Some people are just way over the top extreme with it. But but some people are being reasonable about it, too. They're, they're saying that, hey, Halo Infinite multiplayer is fun as hell to play. I just don't think Halo Infinite multiplayer values my time when it comes to rewarding me as of yet. It's starting to get there. But it's not there yet. Like that take there, Paris. I'm I'm still firmly of... The game is incredible. Multiplayer is so much fun, but I feel like it is content light and I will continue to beat the drum of, I need more maps. It is time for more maps. And I don't know if I can wait patiently until May for season two, to think that that might be the first time to get more maps. I think somewhere in February or March, we might need to see a anniversary pack of old maps that were just brought into the game, but I'm going to need something map wise here for me because whenever I play it, I enjoy it. To all heck, it's a blast. But I do feel like I've played the same maps over and over again. And it's wild to say that because it's only been out for really two months, I know. But still to this time, it's like, man, kind of content light in my opinion over here. But it is fun. Uh, Let's end the show with talking with some of our best friends out there. It's awesome that people write in and get involved in the show. And of course, 
It's a brand new year. We just got done with the holiday season, which means a bunch of kind of funny best friends have picked up an Xbox for the first time. They're jumping into the ecosystem. And so we're going to kick off the year with a fun, easy one for you two to answer right here because Mr. Nice Guy Rye and our good friend over here, uh, Cooper, want to know, hey, I just got an Xbox and I just jumped into the Xbox ecosystem. Thank you for everything you guys do. But my question is, other than Halo, which Xbox exclusive game should be the first that I play? So Paris and Gary, I'll let you think on it for just a second. And I'm going to come to you and ask you, you know, what are some of the exclusive games everybody should be jumping into with the brand new box to see all the bells and whistles that Xbox can bring? So Paris, you got a big smile. I'll kick it over to you first. What should they jump into? I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say uh, Psychonauts two. Oh, <laughs> right good call. Go, go play that, and then I, I, I would back that up with Forza Horizon five. Mm. See, uh, my, like my thought process, Paris, because I was also thinking the same thing. They might have already played it on uh, some of the other systems, though. I'm trying to think of like exclusively, you know, like like exclusive. Oh, well, then I would definitely say Forza Horizon yeah. five. Yeah. I would say Forza Horizon five. Um, I would actually back that up and tell people to go check out. Gears 5 as well. Obviously, like Hive Busters, you know, that DLC was great. Oh, but even, great even the, the, the campaign itself was was a lot of fun. Um, again, jump into the Master Chief Collection. I don't know if this is a person brand new coming into the Xbox ecosystem or they're, they're just getting one of the new systems. But, I mean, there's definitely, if you, if you go back into, into the Xbox One era, there's there's definitely some some gems in there that they could go check out. But, yeah, my, my first thought, if we're talking the brand new exclusive things that have just come out forza horizon 5 would be at the top of that list and then obviously halo infinite psychonauts too but yeah yeah if you haven't played psychonauts play play both of them They're great great picks right there gary Witta, what are you pointing people towards it's hard to know isn't it from from what that question has said like i don't have enough information like again it'd be easy to say forza horizon 5 but maybe this person doesn't like driving games all that mm -hmm. much you know it's like mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would my, my question would be well, what kind of games do you like and then you know, right. I'll, I'll narrow it down for you i mean if you even if you don't like driving games forza horizon 5 um, is probably the best technical oh, showcase fine. for the other than Matrix Awakens is probably the best technical showcase out there for the Series X right now. Um, and again, the nice thing about Game Pass is download it, see if you like it. If you don't like it, uninstall it and get the next thing. Um, for so to if I have to come up with like a catch-all answer, I'm going to go back to my um, my prior uh, my old standby, my my game of the year for 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 2021, uh, and, and it's a console exclusive and it's on Game Pass. I got to go with the Artful Escape. You know, I was going there. <laughs> I'm, you know, like the, the, no, no, no one kind of game is for everyone, but every now and again, a, a game comes along that j it, j it just kind of rocks me to my core. It was such a piece of art. I haven't felt this way about a game since I played journey, which is the last time a game kind of really, really moved me. And I would just say, give it a try. If you don't like it, fair enough, but you have no soul. If that game doesn't move you, <laughs> that's like a Voight-Kampf test for you if like you're a real human being or something. Mm. Like it's just such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful, beautiful game. The Artful Escape. I like that. Both of you, very good. And I will echo Paris and I will say, please go play Gears of War Hive Busters. It's an awesome experience. It will take you a night, maybe two, if you want to piece it out. But then I will continue that with please play both of the Ori games. I think they're beautiful. Yes, I was yeah. bring that up. yes. they're incredible. Yes. If you want to go back to a banger from the Xbox One generation, go check out Sunset Overdrive. It's on Xbox with backwards compatibility. you got to play that. And I will end it with another game that, you know, is really, really incredible and will push the hardware, Gears 5. Go check out Gears 5. Have a great time with that mm. series and that game. But uh, those are my recommendations. I will end it with our producer on the ones and twos. Barrett, your final picks to recommend for new Xbox players. Because you've well, been mean, in like, their shoes before. Yeah, I've I've been um I've been 
kind of similar where I got the Series S sometime uh, last year, first time in the Xbox uh, ecosystem in a very long time. I would say Rare Replay. I'm still surprised that they have not done anything to like really bring that to other places. Like uh, I, I think it's such a a great collection of just like games throughout Rare's history that I think are absolutely worth checking out. Um, but yeah, you kind of like I was gonna I was gonna shout out um, Sunset. I haven't played it myself, but I, I would have shouted out Ori because I know people love Ori. Um, but yeah, the, that's that's what I got for you. But uh, yeah, just you know, play Psychonauts too. What are you doing? I love that. Well, if, if I could th- throw if I could throw one more yeah, in there, please, and I, and please. I know you can go play it on on PlayStation, I believe on Switch as well. But Minecraft Dungeons. Oh, great game too! Oh yeah, yeah. fantastic. That's a fantastic game. Good call right there. Well, there's some great games for you to jump in if you're a first-time Xbox user. Of course, we want to give a big thank you to everybody tuning in today. Whether you're watching or listening, thank you for your time. Thanks for sharing the love of games and for talking Xbox with all of us. If you would like to write in, don't forget that if you subscribe over on the Patreon tiers, you can write in with questions, comments, concerns to us anytime throughout the year, and we'll talk about it here on the show. But with that, this is the end of the episode. So go out there. Have a wonderful weekend. Play a bunch of games. And on behalf of Paris Lily, Gary Witta, and my guy, Barrett Courtney, we'll see you next week. Peace, everybody.